Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. Our current series is entitled A Man's Guide to Spiritual Disciplines. We are being led by Milton Redeker, our men's ministry coordinator, Renee Rivera, and Eric Reed, the minister to married young adults and men at Houston's First Baptist Church. To find out more about our men's ministry, please visit us on the web at houstonsfirst.org. We hope that this podcast is a blessing to you, and we'll see you soon. You may be Let's, uh, obviously, Renee, uh, Milton will be in here late. He is filling in for Ben Pritchett with the leadership meeting for the adult Sunday school or Sunday Bible study directors. Renee, I gave him the night off to be with his family because he's been carrying all the extra load of, of uh, prep and all that where I wasn't helping out as much. So um, let's pray, and then we'll pray for the guys that are not here as well. Um, Father God, we thank you for today, and I thank you for the change of weather. This, this rain is great. Um, Lord, the cooler weather that's coming also is going to be awesome. And uh, Father, also thank you that the change is something that maybe your character doesn't change, but God, you bring about change inside of us. And Lord, uh, this class has been a lot about uh, spiritual disciplines, not because we're obligating you, but it's a way we show our love to you. It's also got a tools that you've given us to actually work deeply in our heart. And so, Father, whether it's reading your word, whether it's praying, whether it's seeking godly counsel, whether it's learning to worship you at work and worship you in a church, um, Father, whether it's, uh, it's simply connecting with you in creation to know that you're everywhere and, and we need to practice the discipline of that. Or, Father, uh, tonight, uh, fasting, um, something that seems so weird to me uh, 15, 20 years ago, and yet today I think, man, it, it, it's such a biblical thing. And so, Father, I, I pray you would open our eyes up to that. Uh, Lord, just to show us, um, challenge us, encourage us. But more than anything, God, just just turn our hearts more and more toward you. Uh, Father, I thank you for the men that are here. Uh, God, I do lift up the men that are not here tonight. I I lift them up. If they're traveling, give them safety. Uh, If there is an issue going on personally with them right now, that you would give them wisdom and courage to deal with it in a godly way. Uh, Lord, we lift up Milton in his leadership meeting. We lift up Renee with his wife on a date right now. That you would just bless both of them. Thank you for their love, for your word, their love for ministry and men. And, uh, Father, I know that they are an encouragement in my life every week when I get to meet with them. So thanks for them. Thanks for this time. Uh, bless it, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, the uh, I think I don't know what week we're on even because I, I have fallen off the wagon. But I think we're like week nine or eight. I'm not sure either. I think. Someone's around there. Yeah, it's somewhere. But I want to, I want to jump in here. Well, it says nine. I didn't make it. I, I, I edit. I don't even pay attention. How many are there? Uh, there are twelve. Okay. Yeah. So, want to want to start with a question that I think you know if you've if you've been in church or uh, you know watched watched my stuff you know growing up you might have heard of it but but fasting. When you, uh, when, you, when you think of fasting, what sort of pops into your mind? What, what type of uh, images and feelings? Not eating. Feelings? Hunger? 
Some people say you can pass from TV. Are we talking about fasting in the strict dietary sense, or well, that's yeah. What 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 is fasting? Like, if if you were to put a definition to fasting, how would you define (coughs) fasting? Is that, does that encapsulate it? I mean, is that, John? Uh, Going without physical food, is that, is that a good operating yes. definition? I think so. Okay. Let's, let's, say, let's say that you, uh, like after the hurricane, if you didn't have food stored up in your house, the grocery stores weren't open, and let's just say your neighbors weren't around, and you didn't feel comfortable breaking into their house, starvation. Okay, what's the difference in that? Because at that point, you're going without physical food. One's willing and one's not. Okay, so so we're going to have to add something about willful starvation, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so let's just say, hi, I'm Eric, I weigh 350 pounds, and my goal is to weigh 250 pounds in a year. And so for the next 40 days, I'm going to drink water and lime, and lime juice with some cayenne pepper and a little maple syrup mixed up. And someone told me that if I fast like that, that I'll lose 100 pounds. But there's no spiritual aspect. Okay, there's, yeah, there's, there's no spiritual dynamic there. So is that biblical fasting? No. No, so we need to add something in here about something spiritual, right? Correct. Otherwise, it's willful starvation or willful deprivation. Self-denial. Yeah, which according to Scripture, self-denial doesn't earn a lot of bonus points with God. True. Trying to think of the right wording. Fasting for the Lord's wants and or the Lord's wants. underneath this it sort of summarizes that the idea of purpose willingly or willfully going without physical food in order to petition the Lord okay in order to petition the Lord anything else Um, demonstrate Oh, seriousness or seriousness, yeah. No, seriousness, yeah. That's a word I don't use often. Earnestness. Earnestness. It's like a tongue twister. Sure really I like it, though. It looks good. It's like really long. True. That's 11, 11 letters. That's very good. You can't even put that in Scrabble. You can do it on a, 
upwards, I think, because upwards you build up and you can add to. Correct. Yeah, but you could do it at Scrabble. I don't think. Too many, too many letters. Is that why? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that would fly. Maybe it would. Uh, yeah, it would. You could add it. Yeah, it would fit. Okay. Okay. So, uh, willfully going without physical food in order to petition the Lord, demonstrate earnestness. Frank, how are you? How are you doing? Good. Although the bone's not healed, I am back. Good to see you back. <laughs> Sorry about missing the last three weeks. I uh, definitely missed being uh, here. I understand that. Yeah. How was the uh, traffic out there? I figured it was a little, rough. A little sloppy. Yeah, it's sloppy. Yeah, just to catch up real quickly, um, we're we're sort of just talking real quickly on what comes to mind when we think of fasting and we're, we're sort of carving up a, a definition and uh, so we've, we've started out where, where we are at this point uh, we started out with just going without physical food and so we talked about after the hurricane came there were people that didn't store up food and they didn't have neighbors and the grocery stores were closed and is that a biblical fast and we decided it wasn't that there needed to be something about a will a willfulness an intention, and then we talked about that I could willfully try to lose 100 pounds by fasting, and is that a biblical idea of a fast? And we agreed that there was a spiritual focus of a fast, and so we, we were at sort of willingly or willfully going without physical food in order to, and we were just sort of listing some things spiritually that people maybe fast for. And so we've listed two things right now that we, we uh, petitioned the Lord, uh, demonstrate earnestness, Show obedience to the Lord. To, to seek His will. What's that okay. Yeah, we're we're gonna look at we're gonna look at a lot of scriptures. We're gonna look at some men in history that have done this. We're gonna talk about some principles that can guide us in it. But I, I definitely think here's simple on the definition of what it is. I'm going to say biblical fasting is willfully giving something up in order to take that, whatever that took up, and invest it into the spiritual relationship with Christ. So there could be times that we are broken over sin and we fast. There could be times that we don't know what we need to do and we fast. There could be times that there is a physical ailment and we fast and we pray about it. And there could be times that God has put it on our heart and we want to be obedient to Him and so we fast. But the commonality of all of that is we're making a willful choice. We're <laughs> depriving ourselves in one area so that we may invest ourselves in another area. Does that make sense, that idea? It's, it's basically putting a big fat spotlight on God and it's saying, I love you more than fill in the blank. And whatever that fill in the blank is. Now for the Hebrew people, for the Jews, think about it. They didn't have TV. They didn't have a rec hall. They weren't known, they didn't invent the Olympics, that came from the Greeks and the Romans, right? The Greeks had this noble idea, the Romans had the Colosseum. The Greeks and the Romans were known for entertainment, the Hebrew people really weren't known for entertainment. 
the meal time was a significant hub of their society. And you look in the Old Testament, you look at how many meals had religious significance for Israel. How many feasts had religious significance for Israel. And it wasn't that way with all the other religions necessarily. But in Israel, food had a very high place. And so when they look at fasting, they're giving up something that really was something spectacular in their culture. And so as I was sitting down at Potbellies today with my large Coke, my Biggie Wreck on multigrain bread, my Zapp's Original Mesquite Barbecue Chips, and my large homemade cookie, I began to think about fasting. And I thought it was a beautiful, I almost took a picture with my iPhone. The guy was eating lunch with us. I said, dude, you got to take a picture of this right now. And I'm holding up my food, but he didn't take it. So I thought it would be, it would be very interesting. In our culture, though, how, how is fasting viewed in our culture? Is it a positive thing or a negative thing in our culture? Kind of extreme. Okay. Almost fanatical. Medieval. Yeah. Medieval. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't know it even exists. <laughs> I think right here, there there is a there's a word we hear this all the time. We hear it in political rhetoric. We hear it in religious rhetoric, and it's the idea of marginalization. Like you want to marginalize somebody, you want to put them in the far extreme and say they're radical, they're crazy, they're not normal. Because most people, most of us, in our heart, do you want to be a freak or do you want to be normal? And most of us want to be considered normal. Well, what Blake said is absolutely true. In our society today, if you went on Oprah Winfrey and you said, every week I fast, every week, why do you fast? Because I love Jesus so much I fast. I guarantee you that that thing is going to spiral and you're going to be a freak. They're going to... They're going to treat you like you're some anathema, you know? And you're going to be painted out of the fringe element. And I think because of that, there is a societal pressure today for us to avoid certain things spiritually that are disciplines historically. And I told you we're going to look at Scripture. We're going to talk about some history. We're going to see where this has fit into the life of the church and where I believe God is bringing back. When we talk about we want to love God, and we talk about that these disciplines are not about manipulating God. They're about us connecting with God. They're not about us changing God's heart. It's changing my heart. It's if I can deny my little fleshly impulse that really wants a latte, if I can just deny that and go to Christ, say, Christ, I love you more than that. You're so much more than that to me. That's not going to hurt your spirit at all. I think it gives us strength and power. It gives us power when we deny something like that. Even if it's a little thing, it gives us spiritual strength. So before we go forward, who here has fasted before? And I know what Scripture says that don't tell everybody, but we're going to break that right now. No, we'll talk about what that context maybe really meant. But who has fasted before? Anyone in here? Milton? Blake? Once? One John? Week. I did it for one week. One week. Wow. Uh, Frank? One time. 
One time. Okay. Hey, what what was maybe? Tell me a little bit about that experience there. I know Milton's going to share some of his, but uh, we're going to wait and let you guys talk out here. What what are what was driving your fast when you when you fasted, John? It's been a long time, so I really forgot the reason why I did it then. But. Okay. Well, what, what was it? A fast from food? Yes, I did drink water. And a little bit of juice, but not much, but mostly water. Um, I was trying to remember why I did it. But I don't remember why. <laughs> okay. But it, it was a spiritual reason. I didn't know that much. Yeah, and, and has it been a few years or several years? Or several years. Several years. Okay. Uh, Blake? Uh, this was a number of months ago, and it was just for one day going without food and, and just trying to uh, test that out as a discipline. And yeah. um, I went a lot longer than I really felt like I did. Right. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be able to go a day. But, and, I, and I didn't go, not a 24-hour day, but you know, I didn't eat from the night before till the evening anyway. Yeah. But, and also, another factor in that is that I'm diabetic. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about some of the physical preparation and, and safeguards that need to be in there. But obviously, you know, check with your doctor, talk to them if you're hypoglycemic, if you've got diabetes, any of those types of health issues. Is just be prudent and wise. Um, but yeah, that's definitely you know, being diabetic and, and stepping out there. That's yeah, pretty pretty intense deal. Um, Frank, and again, y'all only share what you're comfortable sharing there. Um, you want to tell a little bit about the time for you? Yeah, it was uh, pretty much lunch. And, and uh, it was, again, that willful giving up something to focus on for everything. I for a friend struggling. So it was, uh, you could pray during your prayer time, and it's you know, two minutes out of ten minutes that you might be praying at that morning or something or during a meal. I think you know all those reasons, and I know John, you're you're like I know there's a spiritual one. I can't remember what it is. I think those reasons are, are wonderful, and, and the reality is, I think there's situations all all the time, and I you know I don't fast on a regular basis. I don't, so I'm not up here saying I'm a pinnacle and I am the example to follow. Um, I do have fasting stories and experiences, and mine have driven more around uh, the will of God seeking the will of God and, and also praying for freedom and from bondage for other people or healing for other people, things like that, that, you know, and we'll, there's a couple of verses very interesting in scripture, um, that are in there. Uh, Milton, tell us about a time that, that you, tell us about a time that you fasted. I fasted to lose weight one time, to lose 30 pounds and I lost 38. 
but I fasted for three days per week for about six weeks. Lost 38 pounds over a period of six months. And uh, every time my children announced that they wanted to get married to a certain person, I fasted to see God's guidance, mm. to see if that's really the person that they should marry. Yeah. And of course, every time you've done this, I'm sure every time God moved me to a different church or a different location before I made up my mind, I had to find the mind of God. And I did it through fasting for three days. Three days is always, the number three has always worked for me. And fasted for three days every time I ever, before I ever made a move to a different church or different location. Mm. And just, uh, I fasted, oh, since I've been here in Houston, as you know, I've been sick and in the hospital three or four times. And to find out what God really wanted in that each of those situations after I got well, I fasted for three days to find the mind of God and to find direction for my life, what he wanted me to learn out of that. So fasting has become a way of life for me since some of you probably have heard of Bill Gothard. Mm -hmm. Bill Gothard's the one that got me started fasting. Oh. Because he was he was so adamant about it that the men of God that really got the heart of God were men who fasted. Yeah. So I've been fasting off and on different things, like I've just shared with you, probably since uh, 1967. Wow. That's great. I didn't grow up in a home where I witnessed my parents. They didn't even talk about fasting. Uh, the church I grew up in, you know, it, it was in the readings that we would do, but no one ever stopped on it and said, hey, have you all ever fasted? There's no conversation. And... Uh, and again, I think we're a culture that celebrates convenience and comfort. Those are sort of our gods in a lot of ways. I'm not bashing America. There's some beautiful, wonderful things. But in general, those two deals, if you look at comfort and convenience and you run them through the, the, the lens of Scripture, Scripture's going to spew that out all the time as not even Christian virtues. <laughs> you're going to see courage and you're going to see risk and you're going to see danger and adventure. And Jesus is like, Man, they persecuted me. What do you think they're going to do to you? I'm like, that's not the billboard that a church is going to put out to draw people to come in. They're going to say, you know, hey, you can have your best life now. You can have your best life right now. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's biblical. Unless you define best life as sold out to Christ and finding your contentment in Him no matter what happens including if he asks you to give up food for three days that you might seek his heart to know whether or not your daughter or whether or not your son or whether or not this job or ministry is where you should be. And so I, I think, you know, hearing that, I'm like, I've been challenged in just the, the preparation side of this is, is really to, to, to get engaged in that. I want to say in Scripture, Scripture is not silent about fasting at all um, I've, I've put together and the Old Testament has tons of fasting in it, tons but here's what I find on the Old Testament stuff a lot of people uh, a lot of people write off the Old Testament because there's also stuff about don't wear mixed garments and don't eat pork. 
and you need to have a hoof if you're going to munch on it or not have a, a split hoof, no, bad. Real hoof, good. Fish, this, and shellfish, bad. And, and so a lot of people write the Old Testament off today and say, well, that's the Old Testament. What does the New Testament say? What I'd like to do right now is I just want to give you all a few minutes. I'll give you ten minutes. What I'd like you to do is just read through these and write, write out beside it or write underneath it or turn it over on the back and just write down some observations you make about what you see fasting in the New Testament. And these aren't the only mentions of it. These are just some that I grabbed and put in here. But just write down some observations that you make on some of these scriptures here, and then we will share that with each other. And then we'll talk a little bit about some history of fasting as, as far as just outside of the Bible.
I'd say to the group, probably the best fast I've ever had was not those three day fast, but probably the most spiritual fast I've ever had is when I took a jug of water and went up on my favorite mountain in Oklahoma to the very top for a whole day. Went up at sunrise, stayed of sunset, and sat nearly the whole day. Just kind of like a great thinker. <laughs> Mulling over everything I could think of that God brought about in my mind. That's probably the most spiritual, blessed fast I've ever had in my mm. life. I'm going to do it again. That's great. It's a spiritual feast. It makes me think of uh, Sergeant York. Yeah. The movie. Yeah. You know, he was, uh, I guess, originally going to be listed as a conscientious objector. And his, it was the chaplain, wasn't it, that advised him to go home and pray about it. And he goes up on the, the mountain yeah. with his Bible and spends days, I guess. Yeah. It's been a long yeah. time since I've seen it. I sort of I felt like whenever that came to me, I was reading about Moses when he went up in the mountain. I got the Ten Commandments. He stayed up there until he got God's direction. And I was determined I was going to stay that day until I was I was seeking God with all my heart. I didn't have any purpose in mind except God. I want to know you. I want to hear from you. It was a great time. Wow. Well, what as y'all as y'all look through these verses here, what what are some of the observations you've got? And there, Frank, what's something you spotted out there? A lot of it was uh, a lot of focusing, seeking as well, which is different from what you know I had uh, originally done when I was fasting. So a lot of it, the contemplation and sound of life and worship. Yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of things on a. Uh, like hearing from God and, and whether it's who to set apart or, yeah. you know, so there's definitely a measure of putting our attention to listening. And that's, Milton, that sounds very much what you're, it sounds like the heart of almost every fast I've heard that you've described, whether it's a three-day or a one-day on a mountain, every one of them seem to be driven by, God, I want to hear your voice on this, your will on this. Why are you... What are you allowing this in my life for? And so, yeah, that's that. Uh, Blake, what's something you noticed in here? Um, well, that prayer and fasting are almost inseparable. The two terms are used mm. together. That's in the, the the Matthew passage. It certainly implies that. Fasting together with prayer gives more power than just prayer. Yes. Yeah. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, Matthew and Mark both record that same statement from Christ, and the disciples that even asked Christ, "Teach us how to pray," so they had already known how to pray. But Christ came back around to say. If you want really powerful prayer, fast while you pray. And a lot of times I wonder if we don't see miracles like they had a lot then because we're not willing to fast 
and pray. Um, that's been one type of fast I've done is for healing for people and for the changing of circumstances. I have tried to fast and to pray. Um, again, we don't manipulate God at all, but it's I want to position myself. If there's a blessing he has there, I want to position myself. If he's just waiting for one man to get on his knees and to give up food and to petition him. I'm thinking this is something, too, that it takes more planning and more effort than, you know, saying a quick prayer that we tend to do, that there's a lot more time involved. I mean, time is part of fasting. Yeah. It's not a quick fix. It's not just a quick prayer for the God. It's not cheap yeah. and easy. Yeah. Yeah, when you fast, you need to read the Word of God, too. I said I took a jug of water, but I took my Bible with me that day. Look look at a... Yeah, John, what's something you notice in here? That um, you're not supposed to do it for show. Which verse did you see that in? Um, Matthew 6, 16 to 17. Yeah. So, so what is the heart that should be going on? The attitude as we go into a fast. It's, um, commitment to the Lord. Okay. Commitment to the Lord, and if it's not if it's not prideful, then then what would be that sincere sincerity? Yeah, and we might even want to put that in here because I think that is uh, it's a sincere. I want to put humble. Hmm. Now, out in our society, we've already identified that this idea of extremism or radicalism is associated with fasting. However, in certain circles, well, I fast once a week, Blake, so that I might seek the heart of God more. I really wish you'd be more like me in that area. I'm fasting right now. You know, in other words, if I'm using it to look better, it's not a biblical fast. Correct. It's sin. It's religious prideful. sin. Prideful too. Right. That's why it is. Uh, that is. Right. It's prideful. So I think. I think that's something we all sort of missed. I'm throwing myself on this thing. That it's. Uh, it's probably sincerely and humbly, willingly going without physical food in order to petition the Lord. Demonstrate earnestness, show obedience, seek his will, hear his voice, engage in powerful prayer for the well being of another person, unleashing another person. I mean, the GM6, <laughs> what would happen if y'all took, you know, one day a week or, ever, or even half of a day of a fast, but to pray over one stronghold in each of your life? And y'all said, hey, you know, like one week out of a month, we'll have a fast and prayer for one specific area of each of your lives, and you guys will engage on the same day in a fast and a prayer as a covenant together for to be unleashed. That's an experiment. What would happen? I, I can't tell you what could happen, but you'll never know if you don't go there. That's true. And so, so John, that's a, right on the money there is humility. And I wanted to say at the very, you know, at the very bottom here, uh, Luke 5, 
Luke 4, I don't mean bottom, in the middle, there is a satisfaction and a sufficiency that God provides for us that transcends our hunger physically. And I can say I've experienced that from time to time, but not on an ongoing, regular basis. But there have been times that I fasted that, honestly, it wasn't a chore, and there was great joy, and I knew uh, for six, for four years, I was over at Second Baptist teaching and coaching. For four years, I had a sense, God, I know this isn't where I'm supposed to be long term, but I know you haven't released me from it, and I serve you here now with all that I have. But Lord, I know that this isn't my resting spot. I know it. I felt like I was a, a plane that was on the flight deck of, a, of an aircraft carrier. And I'm not saying this pridefully, but I felt like I had fuel. I'm a pilot. The engines are on. The weaponry is all lit up. And I'm waiting for him to tell me where he wants me to go, what he wants me to do, because I knew this wasn't it, where I was, teaching and coaching. I loved it. I felt like I was good at it. God blessed it. We won two state championships. We had two state runner-ups. We had several all-state wrestlers and all-state runners. We were undefeated in the track side of things in our district, which was great. But it's like all of that, I knew it wasn't that. So I told Stacy one day, I was showering, and God's like, step down, you know, step down. It was two weeks before the school year was supposed to begin. I didn't have a resume together. I didn't have a job lead. I hadn't talked to anybody, any employers. I had two kids. I had a mortgage. And I was like, uh, come again, God? And uh, before I did, I went. I went to a monastery on the southwest, on the southeast side of town, the Via de Mattel. You just Google it. V-I-A, the way, day, D-E, Mattel. Um, it's at 45 and 610 on the southeast side. They don't charge you anything. You pay a love offering, but you go there. They've got a prayer garden. You don't have to fast if you don't want to. They've got a library there. They've got a worship area there. They've got an icon room, which is sort of freaky crazy, but I spent, I spent half of a day underneath a portrait of Christ on the cross, and I have not wept like that in forever, but I sat there and I was praying to him, and I just, I just sat there, and I just opened up my eyes. I was just, it was like I was meditating with him, connecting. It was helping me connect with his sacrifice. And, you know, I just asked him to speak to me. That was my deal. And, and I thought I'd come back to my wife, and I'd have a game plan. Like, okay, honey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my resume in here. And, and I'll, it was all just be easy. And it wasn't. There were only two things that I felt like he spoke into my heart, and that was don't be afraid to call yourself a minister because I always was. I never wanted to be called a minister. It made me mad because I felt like that was a extreme, radical, fringe thing in society and that people didn't respect it. If I was a lawyer, I'd be respected. If I was a minister, I'd be seen as a idiot, you know, a, a redneck from Tennessee that didn't know anything and did that. And, uh, and the other thing was do what you will which frightened me to death because I know my sinful nature. What I will sometime has been 
pornography. What I've willed sometimes is a girl that wasn't appropriate physically. What I willed sometimes was alcohol. What I willed sometimes was, uh, I, you know, even as a teenager, I stole stuff. So what I've willed in the past, not necessarily the recent past, but in the past, had not always been about God. It had been very much about me. And so when I felt like those were the two things he told me, I went back home and Stacy was very excited, greeted me at the door. Hey, how was your fast? How was the weekend? And I was like, I, didn't, I don't really have a game plan. And she was scared. But I said, I, I know that I'm supposed to resign my teaching. And God's just going to show me. But he told me, don't be afraid to call yourself a minister and do what you will. And so that threw me into a real figure stuff out. But out of that journey, three years later, I end up here working as a minister on staff at the church. It didn't immediately happen. I sold uh, vinyl siding, windows, doors, home improvement stuff. Um, I ended up in a nonprofit, a startup nonprofit, where I traveled and spoke at colleges and booked international trips. And that gave me confidence in doing what I'm doing now as far as teaching in more of a different setting. Uh, but it all fit together, and God was just honing, 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 directing, and then he was like, go for it. And I was scared to death, man. I Here I was like 40 years old and had never been on staff at a church. Milton had already probably served 20 years by the time you were 40 and already knew how to do a lot of stuff that I'm still learning. I mean, I'm still learning how to do weddings and funerals and all that stuff. Man, it scares me to death. You know, I just walk in it in faith and say, you put me here and that's all right. But at the very beginning of all of that was fasting. It was just fasting. And it, was, it didn't make everything easy. But I know that God answered that prayer and that cry. And in here that, that there is in Luke 5, there's a time to fast and a time not to fast. And I think wisdom is knowing the difference. Should we fast today? It's interesting, we've all, we've all fasted today at some point, meaning in our life and over the last three years probably we have all fasted at some point in time, maybe even in the last two years. But should we fast? John? Nothing in the scripture that would indicate otherwise. Yeah, John? Well, the, what the Lord leads you to do, so. Okay. And Blake, you're saying nothing says don't? Yeah. Well, in, in in the Luke chapter five passage, he says, um, <laughs> "I don't know where it was." The last sentence. Yeah, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. Well, <laughs> the bridegroom's not here, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm with the you. The other aspect of that, which you made coming to but the term that Jesus is the bread of life and when he was here they had the bread of life when you when you fast he's providing the spiritual bread yeah you're not taking physical bread you're taking spiritual bread no you're totally right he is the bread of life the show bread you know, that, that, that beautiful bread provided by God miraculously put in there. John? I know this is a different kind of fast, but someone said uh, 
when you're actually asleep at night and then wake up in the morning while you're asleep, you're kind of fasting too. Do you agree with that? Uh, I... I don't know if that's that, true. Yeah, I, that's an interesting... That, I was going to say, yeah, I guess technically, physically, you're not eating food and all that, but there's something... I, I really, in Scripture, I see something real intentional. Unless you're conscious. And real active. I don't think there could be a spiritual aspect. Right. And so the, we, we framed it up where it, it needed to be willful. True. It needed to be about... It needed to be humble, sincere. Uh, it needed to have a spiritual purpose to it. And they needed to have a physical withdrawal of something. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in, in, in history, I mean, you just look back. And we, the Old Testament, you just pick a patriarch of the Old Testament, and you will find them fasting. Pick a prophet, and you will find them fasting. Mm-hmm. Pick a king and put an enemy outside the gate of the city, and you'll see them fasting. <laughs> right? Pick, pick a king that's blown up spiritually and is convicted by God. And you will find them often sitting in ashes in sackcloth and fasting over their sin. Okay, so there's no doubt the Old Testament is just chock full of all of it. But if you get outside of that and you think about who are the patriarchs of the faith that we walk in today, and who would be some of the patriarchs that you think of that brought Protestantism, so to speak, into into the world and it started really at the Reformation and who would be some of those names? Martin Luther, Tyndale Martin Luther, Tyndale John Knox John Knox the other JC, John Calvin not Jesus Christ <laughs> but John Calvin uh, the sinners in the hands of an angry God who wrote that? Greatest American philosopher and thinker, according to Yale and Harvard, happened to be an evangelist. Jonathan Edwards. Absolutely. Charles Finney, Billy Graham, Bill Bright, Milton Redeker, <laughs> right? Pastor Greg, you, me. Okay? The patriarchs of our faith, the men that have fought and died for evangelical Protestant Christianity fasted and prayed and sought the face of God. And I don't think it's coincidence that all of the reformers, Zwingli, another guy that, you know, was part of that same Reformation movement, they all fasted and prayed and sought God. I don't think that's, a, I don't think that's an accident. I think it would be hard for us to be a student of the Word of God. But let me, let me give you a historical figure that might surprise you. Abraham Lincoln. In the run-up to the revolution, not the revolution, in the run-up to the Civil War, and during the fighting of the Civil War and moving to the proclamation of that emancipation of the slaves, guess what he engaged in regularly? Prayer and fasting. Yeah. He declared a fast for our nation. A day of prayer and fasting. He also instituted a day of thanksgiving. I mean, we, if you go back and look at some of our early statesmen, you'll find in their life, George Washington, you will find in their lives prayer and fasting. And today, not so much so. 
I think that's part of the dynamic in our culture that's sort of changed. And as you said earlier, as we talked about Islam a little bit and their fidelity to a lot of their principles, that they look at our culture and they don't want what we have because they see pornography and they see greed and they see consumption and comfort. They don't see sacrifice for God. And we talked about there's a dead religiosity that they have, but we should use and unleash the Spirit of God through the disciplines of spirit, such as scripture and prayer and godly counsel and fasting, that we should be, of anyone, we should be engaging there. And I think that the GM6 is a platform for that, to encourage and Let's do it together, you know? Let's do it together. Well, benefits of fasting. Milton, why don't you give us, on the physical side, why don't you mention some of the, he was, he's been doing a lot of reading on fasting Milton always researches a lot. And why don't you give us some of the physical benefits of fasting? Well, the first thing that improves is you're, you become mentally alert. And why, why is that? Because it just the whole system, digestive system, is put on alert. And uh, the energy that you normally, uh, your body takes for the digestion of food is given to the brain. And so your mental clarity is improved. And uh, the longer the fast, the bigger increase of energy, too. I know that from a personal standpoint. And your digestive system is rejuvenated. Your body is detoxified. Uh, pardon the phrase, you have a, a peristaltic action. That means a good bowel movement always follows uh, when you're fasting. That, that just, when you fast, whether it's a day or two days or three days, that's one thing that always is put back into uh, the shape that it's supposed to be in. And so that that is something that I really have really been aware of. The uh, normal metabolic and cell oxygenation are restored when you fast. It really does something to your whole body. You're, you're from the top of your head to the tip of your toe. Your whole body is rejuvenated. And I think that's done for a purpose because fasting is done for the purpose of God controlling our life. Fasting reveals to us what controls us. That's one thing I found out. Hmm. Fasting reveals to us what controls us. Whether it's food, whether it's pornography, whether it's women, sex, alcohol, drugs, fasting will reveal that to, to you. Or it could just be a hobby, even. Yeah. Like uh, work. I mean, workaholism <laughs> is killing people as well. You know, just the stress and the, the broken home because dad's never home or any yeah. of that. Yeah, let, I'm going to put some spiritual, uh, some of the spiritual benefits of fasting up. The physical are, uh, I just thought that was really, Milton was, you know, sharing that to me and, and to Renee on Monday and Tuesday. He was sharing some of those, and I had never heard some of those. But it makes sense to me that if your blood is not going to your intestines and your stomach, where is it? Well, it's available here. It's available to do something like it focus on Christ or to, to, to solve a problem. You know, um, I found out something else, Eric, and this reminded me, I've forgotten it. But uh, when you're fasting, uh, the rejuvenation that takes place in your mind and your body the spiritual takes over the physical. Hmm. And we're made that way. 
God made us that way to depend on Him. Wow, that's good. That's very good. Um, these, these are some of these are hitting the verses that we've already read, but it adds strength to our prayer life. There is a very real sense of prayer and fasting unleashed power. And I don't know about you, but I sure think I need more power in my prayer life. There are times that I feel like my prayers are basically not going very far. Um, even with my shoulder deal, you know, I haven't fasted about that. You know, I've been leery because I want to get a lot of calcium and, you know, be sure I'm getting enough vitamins and all that. But, but there might be more benefit to me fasting and praying over it or having my wife fasting and praying over that. Um, number two is it helps the participant to hear God's voice and receive his direction. Man, you look at when they replaced Judas as a disciple. You look at when they chose the deacons. You look at when they sent out the first missionaries. You look at when they called a man and they were saying, you're called, we're laying our hands on you. And these are the gifts that we see in your life. That usually happened through prayer and fasting and the laying on of hands. It was a really powerful time. Uh, The GM6 idea, you know, to, to begin to ask God to show you the giftings in each other and then lay your hands upon each other and pray that over each other to speak that what you see in each other's lives. To say to Blake, you know, Blake, I see a courageous man in you, and I speak that over you, but I, you know, in other words, to have a man begin to see our attributes and our characteristics, that'd be a powerful deal, but fasting is a part of hearing that from God and receiving that. It releases the participant from confusion of competing voices. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but, dude, there are a billion voices right now the internet gives us access to a thousand voices instantly. I can click on the Drudge Report and be overwhelmed within one second. And so Rene Rivera, what, what Rene did is he fasted from talk radio. And he bought, for his iPod, he bought an NIV version of the Bible. And in three months, he listened to the whole Bible. So every time he was in the car driving or when he was at home eating or when he was on the road in a hotel, he had the NIV Bible going and he was like, I'm not going to listen to Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, or Air America or whatever I listen to. I'm going to listen to the Word of God and I'm going to go through the whole Bible. And in three months, his stress level went down. He began to see connections spiritually between passages of Scripture. He found a renewed focus of what needed to be happening. In that same window, he came to me about men's ministry saying, hey, I'm burdened for men. I mean, I look at what God has stirred up as he set aside the competing voices in his life and engaged in a fast from those voices that he might hear the voice of God. Number four, it allows the participant to express love to God in a tangible way. I mean, if you think think about it, You read the Gospels, and there are several times you see the people in Scripture. You'll see a prostitute, and she'll come, and she'll have a perfumed oil or ointment. And she gets on her knees, and she breaks it at the feet of Christ, and she just starts crying, and she's weeping, and she's washing his feet. And all the Pharisees are like, Ooh, he must not be the Son of God, because if he knew what type of woman was touching his feet, he would cast her out. And Jesus is like, you have not so much as even welcomed me in. But since the moment I've arrived, she has not ceased 
to wash my feet with the tears of her heart. But we don't have his feet, per se, to weep over and to touch. We have the widows. We have the orphans. We have the lost. But we also have a thing we can do tangibly as well and say, God, I give up. I give, the, I give up video games. I give up fantasy football. I, I give up this food right now, right here. I give something up because I want to give something up for you. And if you were here, I'd lay at your feet. You're not here where I can see you. So I'm just going to lay it down here. I'm going to spend time with you today. I'm going to fast to be with you. And it's a loving reaction. It's not legalism. It's not Pharisaism. It is a compassionate response to the God that is sitting, was sitting on the cross and meditating on that grace that gave poured out to us. And it's a response to that. Number five. I don't think it's number five. Nope, there's not number five. Cool. <laughs> okay, there are kinds of fast. And we've mentioned two different things so far in here. We've been pretty biblically focused on... Uh, food, rightfully so. However, uh, John mentioned earlier, he mentioned uh, TV, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. He mentioned TV. In Israel, food was the hub of much of what they did. Okay, I don't think it's the hub of much of what we do necessarily in America. For some people it is. But for me, the information superhighway is more the hub of what I do. Email, connectivity, news gathering, researching, all of those things tend to occupy my mind, occupy my heart. Uh, there are sinful behaviors we can engage in as well. It might be driving a car around Memorial Park and just noticing the people that are running around. You know, there are guys that do that. It could be something else. It could be going at work and just working, you know, 12 hours in a day, knowing that I need to be at home, knowing that I need to be in prayer, knowing that I need to be doing something beyond work, but because work is safe and I'm good at it, I just keep doing it more and more and more, and I'm rewarded. I get, a, I get the employee of the year. I mean, I had one of my friends that got employee of the year, but I, I felt like that he was so absent from his family that I was like, you just got rewarded by our society for maybe not being the best dad. I don't know. I'm glad you got the award, but I'm sort of not glad because now you're more likely to do that behavior again. And if you do that enough years in a row, your kids are going to walk away from you bitter. It's called the father wound if you've been through Quest. And I had a little bit of that. Phone, internet, automobiles, eating out, hobbies, any little treat. For me, it's downloading music. I love to find new music and download. I just love it. It's cheap. It's 99 cents to, you know, you can get it even cheaper if there's a sale going on. It's like, wow, I get that little, that's like a little treat for me because I love music. I love new music. Um, sweets. Starbucks. Yeah, <laughs> Starbucks. Absolutely. Football. Mm -hmm. Football. Don't say that, John. Now you're battling. 
I knew I'd get a reaction from this. My wife, my wife would say that Milton needs to pass the So again, it's not that any one of those things in and of itself is sinful or wrong, but it's saying that if it, if it holds a preeminent spot in our heart, <laughs> Scripture's very clear in Malachi. Don't bring your worst animal into my house and sacrifice it to me. Don't bring what costs you nothing and say you're sacrificing because you're not. If you're going to bring something to me, it better be near and dear to your heart or I don't want it. That's God. So if food isn't a big deal for me, I shouldn't beat my chest and think, God, I love you so much. Look, I'm not chowing down right now. Hey, Eric, why don't you get away from the Internet tonight? Why don't you turn the Internet off for the next 24 hours and spend the time that you spend surfing the web praying to me? Oh, God, you don't understand. I'm a minister, and I've got to research for my lesson on Sunday. I don't have all those expensive Bible software programs. I've got to go to gospelcom.net. They've got free Bible search stuff and language tools and everything that I need. Eric, if you love me, why don't you just spend some time with me? Turn off the computer, crawl up in my lap, and let me be your dad for just a moment. Tells you a lot about your priorities. I think what Milton said is it shows you what owns you. It shows you where your affections are. I think that's right. I think that's right. Because if I think about going without the internet for a week, woo, that would be so hard, man. That would be really very, very hard. Is that going to be your fast when we come to the end of the last lesson today? Oh, we might do it. <laughs> hey, there's some methods to fasting. Um, there is the sunset to sunset fast. In other words, basically, you, you skip your dinner, you skip your breakfast, you skip your lunch, and then you engage the next day at a dinner. The beauty of that is if you're working, because a lot we're not in an agrarian society. In an agrarian society, you're not working every day of the week. There are some times that the weather, inclement weather or whatever, you're inside and you're not doing anything. Seven days a week, I got work I can do. So finding something where I have a little bit of food for energy or using juice, like half juice, half water, and letting that try to keep your blood sugar at a level spot is a beneficial thing, okay? So there, there's more than one way to fast. I've historically just done breakfast, lunch, and dinner and ditched it, but that's really like a... 36-hour fast, okay, because if you, if you think about where you miss it, you go, the previous dinner, over, all the way over to another breakfast, and you miss the two night times are both missed, that's, that's 16 hours right there, plus the hours before it, and you run the whole next day, and it, it ends up being like a 36-hour fast, it's really not a 24-hour fast. Not that God is legalistic on that stuff. And I think a three-day fast, that is a highly biblical deal, Milton. And, uh, and that would probably be very good. Um, I do know men, uh, Roger Bridgewater at our church did a 40-day fast. Again, it's not a thump my chest, I'm better than everybody else, but he used uh, Jamba Juice. He drank Jamba Juice every day and water. And the Jamba Juice gave him a little energy and the water kept him clean. And for 40 days, he fasted. Okay. Now, he did that. He had a spiritual reason he was doing that, and he focused on it, and it wasn't to do it to do it. It wasn't to do it because it's a challenge. It was to do it, to hear from God, and to fight for this spiritual battle that's going on. You know, And, and for him, he engaged at that level. So, John Masano fasted for 40 days trying to find the 
will of God for the next 10 years for this church when he was pastor. And that's, you know, and, and again, I mean, there's one thing I can say about Bazzagna was he definitely, this church was not built around him. When he stepped out of this church, the church moved not because he held it back, but because he had unleashed it. Because I feel like he, he led well. He empowered other people to lead well. Beth Moore, Metro Bible Study, first place, first choice, all those things. You just go, do it. God's pushing you to do it, do it. Um, some suggestions for pursuing the discipline of fasting. There you go. Uh, first is an attitude check. And we've already talked about it, so we won't hit it long. Humility, purpose, love. That's Matthew 6, 16 and 17. Check your attitude. Say, Lord God, reveal any hurtful way in me, any sinful motive that I have. Reveal it right now. And I'll confess on the front side of it. And then now I'll fast. I've, I've confessed it, and now I want to move forward. Preparation before the fast. Take your caffeine and ditch it because you're going to want all the body water you can possibly get. So probably 48 hours before you want to fast, cut your caffeine out and start taking some Excedrin. You're going to have a headache, but go ahead and take care of the pain for that first. Start drinking more water. Slow down physically and go ahead and plan out, prayerfully plan out. What are the spiritual reasons I'm fasting? What are my goals spiritually? Is it going to be to read through the entire book of Romans? Is it going to be to pray this entire time about this one area? Is it going to be to get together with three Christian brothers and to pray for our families? Is it going to be to pray for lost relatives? How am I going to structure my time that I don't waste it? I'm making room for you, God. I better have a plan. I better plan for that. So prepare for that fast. Number three. There are physical aspects of fasting. You better, if you have hypoglycemia, low blood pressure, high blood pressure, diabetes, cancer, any liver liver problems, any of those things, go to your doctor, share with your doctor that you have a religious conviction that you desire to fast, and say, ideally it would be no food and just water, but you tell me how could I sort of do it in a way that would be healthy in your opinion, doctor. The doctor may say, I don't think you can. Well, you need to, at that point, probably listen to your doctor, and maybe you give up some sweets, or you give up some caffeine, or you give up TV, or you give up the computer. Find something else that you value, and begin to ask God to, you know, to work through that. You might find that you end up in a neat conversation with your doctor. <laughs> it becomes a witnessing opportunity. Sure, you're an extremist and you're a radical, but they know that you're really a normal guy because you've been in there the last 10 years. So they know you. They don't marginalize you at that point. Do be uh, careful also that you're going to get poo-poo breath. I'm just, at least I'm the king of doggy poo-poo breath when I fast. And so I keep an Altoid in my pocket. I actually keep a whole can of them. Uh, in all my jackets that I wear, like to funerals and weddings, I have, I have dumped about 50 Altoids in there. Because it seems like even there, it's like your bad breath, at least for me, is I don't engage people when my, my breath is bad. I sort of shy away. Well, that's a bum deal. So you don't want people to really know if you're fasting. So you probably need to have good breath so that you can 
get after it and do what you need to do and engage people. Um, number four is sacrifice. Um, the number one sacrifice God cares about is loving obedience. That's it. That's the number one sacrifice. He told that to King Saul. He said, Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Jesus said, If you love me, you'll fast. No. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Obedience is our number one sacrificial loving act we do to God. We say that my flesh is not more important than God's spirit. Secrecy. That's very, very true. That's part of the humility. And under the uh, under the sacrifice, there is again, it is a tangible thing that we can do by giving up something we value as a loving deal. That's why I like Lent, even though I'm not Catholic. I think Lent is a beautiful season to say, "Okay, God, no no desserts from now until Easter." You know, in other words, I, I'm going to take that time and I'm going to enter into this Lenten season that I might show you and physically know that I'm actually giving something up that means something to me. So fasting could be part of the, the Easter Lenten season, could be part of fasting in there. There's several devotions that are geared around that that you can you know, look at and be a part of. So here are some questions I think we've actually talked through <laughs> all of these uh, which was sort of my goal, was that we would actually talk through it together. But uh, what's the purpose of fasting? And how would we answer that now? <laughs> There's not a real right or wrong. that we build. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, purpose of fasting is draw close to God, hear from Him, show Him our love, repenting of sin. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, unleashed power for a specific, real, urgent need that's going on. Humility. Humility. Absolutely. Uh, fasting's an integral part of the Bible. What conclusions can you draw about fasting from many of the biblical texts? Well, we've already drawn them. You wrote them down. They're sitting there. Uh, you can go to Gospel.com or Bible Gateway or any of those websites and just type in fast or fasting. And just read through the scriptures that pop up there. It's, it's incredible. It's just that's what that's what I did today. That's what Milton did on Monday. You know, is just I'll reading through. Else too. I'm gonna give each of them a one. Yeah. Here you go. And and what here here is a challenge I'd like to to leave you all and me with. A challenge I'd like to li- leave you all with is this. We've got nine minutes before we dismiss. We can dismiss early. I'm cool with that. I'm not a legalist. <laughs> However, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to, to think and to pray and say, God, is there something that you would like me to fast from? Number one. Number two, 
what would you want me to do with that extra space or that mental energy or that physical energy? What, you know, is there a decision that I'm having to wrestle with right now? Is there, is there a stronghold in my life that maybe I want freedom from? Is there a relative or a friend that is in need right now that I pray for them, but maybe this is worthy of that. Maybe this is worthy of me trusting you, God, to say that only some things happen through prayer and fasting. This isn't legalism time, but this is a time for me to challenge you, challenge me, challenge Milton to say, what, we could talk about this, and we have, and we've talked about spiritual disciplines, and we have, and we've taught about spiritual disciplines, but if we're not practicing the spiritual disciplines, we truly are being a really good American Christian. Heads full, hearts empty. Oh, woe is us. It is what it is what it is. But what would happen if the men of our church, and there are some men that are already doing this, so I'm not saying that we're not. What would happen if when we see something in Scripture, we take the step of obedience, and we take the step of adventure, and we take a risk? And we say, God, I've never done this before. I haven't done it in a long time. or It's never been a regular part of my life. But I really believe that I want to take over this next two months, I want to say, God, between now and Christmas, I want to do an experiment. I want to test you. I want to see how strong and good and mighty you are. And I want to show you I do love you. And between now and the greatest gift you've given me of your son Christ... I'm going to weave these disciplines of prayer, Bible study, fasting, worship, fellowship with brothers in Christ. I'm going to weave it all together. And I'm going to actually take a step out. I'm going to try to live some of this stuff out. Our last class, I believe, is December 16th. Is that right, Milton? I think that's our last class. It would be really cool if from now until then, like next week, you come and you bring, this is my goal. This is what I want to do spiritually, and I've prayed about it, and it's really real. And you don't have to turn it into me unless you want the accountability to turn it into me. You could turn it into your, your GM6, your three guys that got your back, and you got their back. You could turn it into them and say, hey, guys, I want to challenge you. I'm being challenged right now. I want to challenge you all. Let's do this together. And you all do that. You covenant together. I want to give you some time right now to think about it, pray about it. And I've got a meeting at 7.30, by the way, so I'm going to let Milton close up here. Okay. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We would love to have you come in person. We meet Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7.30 at Houston's First Baptist Church. More information is on the web at houstonsfirst.org, houstonsfirst.org. Again, have a blessed day. Let's shine.